Howdy. What's going on? Thanks so much for listening to the podcast. It is heard live every day, by the way, from noon until 3 on WBT Radio in Charlotte. And if you want exclusive content, invitations to events, the weekly live stream, my daily show prep with links, become a patron. Go to the PeteCallanerShow.com. This podcast is also supported by North Carolina businesses, so please consider supporting them. Try not to skip through their short ad. Make sure you hit the subscribe button to get every episode for free right to your smartphone or tablet. And thanks so much for your support. News Talk 1110-993-WBT. Pete Callender here, hour number three, 704-570-1110, 1-800-WBT-1110. Email is Pete at the PeteCallenderShow.com. And uh, on Twitter, it's at Pete Callender. Remember, you can also get the podcast, thepetecallendershow.com. There's a big subscribe button. You click it, and then it comes right to your smartphone or tablet. Uh, each episode, three episodes per day. Basically, each hour is its own episode, and uh, it's totally free. All right, so I understand you know, why people, especially uh, people who believe uh, – Trump is going to be the nominee for the Republican Party, um, whether the, and that, whether that brings them joy or or sadness uh, doesn't matter. Um, but a lot of people who believe that they think that these debates that the Republicans have been holding sans Trump, uh, that they don't matter. And I disagree. I think they do matter. I think debates do matter. I think you can get a, a better measure of the candidates than simply seeing them participate in a you know one-on-one interview for four or five minutes at most on some you know cable news channel. I think you get a better sense of who they are and how deep their understanding of the issues is uh, by watching them debate. Now, just because candidates might not be good at debating, right, doesn't mean that the debate is pointless. And I understand that a lot of candidates are not good at debates. I get that. And it makes it you know, boring for a lot of people to watch it and frustrating and whatever. I am not one of those people because I watch the debates and I try to uh, I try to pick out things that indicate principle and philosophy, because there's no way I could know what issue a particular candidate is going to be facing once they get into office. Right. I don't know the future. If I did, uh, I would have won the lottery many, many times already. So what I want to know is what is their what are their principles? What are they rooted in? How do they approach particular issues? Because it gives me an idea of how they may respond, how may they how may uh, how they may act in the future. And that was, by the way, one of my problems with Donald Trump was that I didn't know these things. Part of that was in 2016 that, you know, he was an unknown. He had no record. Right. He could say stuff and then he would go back on it and he would make comments that seemed to be contradictory. So I didn't have a good idea of how he would behave in different circumstances. Um, And so that's why I think the debates are important. I'm not the only one. Steve Krakauer at uh, The Hill, he's an opinion contributor, he wrote up a couple of reasons why the Trumpless GOP debate and all of them really do matter. And number one, I thought was the most interesting. I hadn't even really considered it, which is the backup plan. Right? What happens if Trump does get convicted? What then? What if he gets convicted, or if he's for some reason unable to take office? Then what? Unlike perhaps any other year, 
there is a value to being the runner-up in this primary for the Republicans. Whatever you think of the four criminal trials that Trump is facing, there is a real threat of serious prison time that could come before 2024 or 2025, the end of 24. Will the party stand by this situation, he asks. We'll know a lot more by the time the GOP convention begins on July 15th in Milwaukee. And accruing delegates ahead of that key date will matter, even if Trump is way ahead. If you've got delegates and you go into that convention and everything has been thrown into chaos for some reason related to the criminal trials or something, right, then that's going to put you in a better position. For candidates like Nikki Haley and Governor DeSantis, being the first alternative is important, even for Ramaswamy. If the party decides to sway towards a a more Trump-like, non-Trump candidate, right, he's in line to benefit from that as well. We also can't discount another scenario, which, while unlikely, it's not completely beyond the realm of possibility. He wrote about, uh, Krakauer wrote um, uh, about Trump's book, uh, the 1987 best-selling book, The Art of the Deal. If Trump is facing significant prison time, and let's say he's offered a deal by the DOJ or one of these prosecutors, right? Let's say they offer him a deal, right? Does the establishment, the deep state, whatever, do they offer him a deal that says, we drop the charges, give you probation or slap on the wrist or something. You stay out of prison, but you got to drop out of the race. You could be kingmaker. You can pick the successor. You could do whatever afterwards, but you got to drop out. Is that beyond the realm of possibility? I'm not saying it's likely, but is it beyond the realm of possibility that somebody makes him that kind of an offer? And then the question is, does he take it? Trump loves making deals. So does he do that? And then does he, does he play the role of kingmaker? Again, I don't know the answers to any of these. These are all hypothetical questions. But the point is, is that it matters then who's, who comes in second and by how much for those two reasons. All right, let me go to the phones here and let's, uh, let's get uh, Jimmy on the line. Hello, Jimmy. Welcome to the program. How are you? Hey there, Pete. Hey, what's up? Um. Uh, pretty good. Um, you know, I'm from I'm from South Carolina, and uh, you know, you know who killed the uh, Tea Party in South Carolina? <laughs> it was Nikki Haley. <laughs> Nikki Haley killed. Yeah. She claimed to be a Tea Party candidate. Yep, and she killed the Tea Party. How? How so? <laughs> huh? How so? How'd she kill it? Uh he found, especially when, especially around about the time the bathroom bill rolled around, there were several candidates. I know one particular one in the upstate, and she ran another guy against him, ran mm. a lot of ads, and basically swept him and a couple of other key partiers right on out. Oh, from the what the state legislature? Yep. Oh, <laughs> interesting. Well, and you know, you know why Trump named her ambassador. U.N. ambassador? Because Henry McMaster, who was, what, lieutenant governor at the time, I think, or maybe attorney general, I forget. I guess lieutenant governor, yeah. Because 
lieutenant. Yeah, because McMaster was an early endorser of Trump in, in a key primary state, early primary South Carolina state, right? So he endorses Trump early in exchange for Trump to name Haley ambassador. So she has to leave the governor's mansion and then McMaster can take over. That was the deal. Now, she, she's kind of uh, a Hillary type. She's kind of very much the Republican version of Hillary. Mm. Yeah, no, and I've heard people refer to her as, and look, I have not followed her policies and uh, her career very closely or anything. I, I don't want to pretend I, I, I have any kind of knowledge about that, but uh, I, I have seen people who are in South Carolina politics who have suggested that she is, uh, that in any other state, uh, she would probably be a Democrat, but you couldn't win as a Democrat statewide as governor in South Carolina, so that's why she's a Republican. But I, I don't yeah. know that to be true, but that's one analysis of her. Yeah, quote-unquote um, Lindsey Graham. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, and this is why she gets tagged with the, quote, neocon label, that and, of course, her, you know, uh, uh, her apparently predilection for uh, foreign wars. But the uh, that's why she gets that's why she gets that tag is because the neocons were squishy on a lot of social issues, but more hawkish on uh, on the military side. And like that's always been the um, that's been the coalition, though, among the Republican Party uh, constituency. Right. You've got the, the 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 defense hawks. You've got uh, the fiscal conservatives and then you got the more libertarian types and they were all united against communism, and then you know communism collapses, the, the USSR collapses, and uh, and the, it fractured that coalition um, because now you've got these competing interests, and a lot of the 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 war hawks uh, they were not really cool with a lot of the evangelicals. So the, inside the inside the conservative base, and and they they didn't like it. These are the country club Republicans. They didn't like the social issues, the cultural issues, and I, I wonder if she's one of those. She's, she's very much so. There are a lot of Republicans in South Carolina that are basically undercover Democrats. And I've been here all my life, and I've learned <laughs> learned <Yeah>. it hard, boy. <laughs> no, I got you, Jimmy. I appreciate the call, buddy. Good to hear from you. And, and look, I mean, keep in mind, you know, the solid South, right? Democrats controlled the South and all of these legislatures and, and governorships for a century since Reconstruction. So, I mean, that... Though, you know, people are registered Democrats for a long, long time just because their parents and grandparents and great-grandparents were Democrats. And it would break, it would break their mama's heart if they were to be a Republican, <laughs> you know. Uh, so they stay Democrat. Uh, now they may vote Republican in a lot of races. But, yeah, it's just, um, yeah, it, it's one of the things when you have a party that is in control and it becomes a, quote, big tent party, you have a lot of different kinds of Republicans inside that tent. Go back to the phones here and get Jim on. Hello, Jim. Welcome to the program. How are you? Pete, how are you doing? I was uh, calling. I was uh, intrigued by your comments about the prosecutor, federal prosecutors offering Donald Trump an off-ramp if he would uh, leave the campaign. And I don't think that would happen. You know, you have a lot of American people. The polls show Biden is uh, down. Mm-hmm. A lot of American people still do not like Trump, mm-hmm. and the unholy trinity, if you want to call it, of the uh, institutions that drove Trump down in 2020. You've got the deep state, the media writ large, the Internet, 
I think that there is a feeling among the diehard Democrats that they can still manipulate and destroy Trump in the national campaign. To let Trump off on the basis, if you withdraw, you know, uh, we're going to let you off. I don't think that could happen. They would be terrified that the Republicans would nominate individuals for vice president president that would win possibly an overwhelming popular vote. And that's the reason they need Trump right where he is so they can continue to indict him and drive him down. Right. So one of the things, though, is every time he gets indicted, his numbers go up. And it it has me wondering whether or not it's intentional. They just throw these whatever your thoughts are, like all of the different uh, indictments that he's gotten. Uh, you know, some of them are kind of silly, and it makes me wonder, are, are they doing it in order to make sure he gets through the primary because they want to run against him? But I think all of that goes out the window if they if they are worried that he actually could beat Biden, right? I think part of it is that a lot of Democrats and media, but I repeat myself, believe that Trump is the weaker of all of the Republican candidates against Joe Biden. I don't know if that's true, but I think a lot of Democrats think that, and so they want him to be around so they can clobber him again. Right. But if— and I don't. Yeah, but if it looks like Biden actually loses to to Trump, then maybe they do offer him that. But what are the real popular polls, not the Republican voter polls, but what are the national polls versus Biden? I mean, do you have a good feel for what they actually show? It's pretty close. It is. Yeah, it and, is. It's, and it's close with all of them, all within the margins of error. You look at the real clear politics trends. And, uh, yeah, they're all, I mean, Trump, uh, Trump beats Biden, Haley beats Biden, DeSantis beats Biden, but they're all different, uh, by different margins. So, you know, I think Trump beats him by like two or three points. I think everyone else is like one or two or something, but they're all kind of clustered there together. But I don't know, I don't know whether to believe the polls, you know, because the last two election cycles or three election cycles, I should say, uh, they, they didn't bear that out. The Democrats still feel that they have the resources and the support that they could handle Donald Trump and uh, to leave it open to some unknown popular figure that would win a right. popular election, which the Republicans, Republicans have not been able to do. But the possibility that they would be looking at a wipeout with a fresh face yeah. against Joe Biden, they couldn't handle that. Right. So, so, so then the other side of that then is, and Jim, I appreciate the call. It's a good; these are good questions to kind of walk through. Um, the other, the other side of that is maybe it's the Republicans that come to Trump and say, "Hey, if you get out of, you know, if you step aside, you get out. We'll make sure you get pardoned. We'll make sure that, and you, you, you remain kingmaker. Who do you want to see? And they line that up. They offer him a deal that way, and it comes from inside the Republican Party. That's possible. I don't know. 704-570-1110, 1-800-WBT-1110. Uh, I will get to some of your messages here. Let me just uh, run through this part real quick. This was Nikki Haley um, trying to clean up the proposal that she had floated about, you know, no more anonymous social media accounts. She said social media companies need to show their algorithms and there shouldn't be any anonymous bots, but only from China and Russia. Like, she didn't mean for, like, everybody. As a mom, do I think that social media would be more civil if we went and had people's names next to that? Yes, I do think that, because I think we've got too much cyberbullying. I think we've got child pornography and all of those things. 
But having said that, I never said government should go and require anyone's That's name. That's false. She what said, I, I said, want your name. She As absolutely president of the United States, her first day in office, she said, one of the first things I'm going to do. I said we were going to get the millions want of your name. She wants That's government she ID to dox every American. All right. Uh, so you hear what she the position she's now saying is I didn't say that I said we we're going to get the millions of bots off. So let's take a listen to what she actually said. The truth is, if you look at social media, the misinformation and the, the dramatic sides of social media are instigating this. Why? Because it's being pushed by Russia, China, Iran and North Korea. It is why when I get into office, the first thing we have to do social media accounts Social media companies, they have to show America their algorithms. Let us see why they're pushing what they're pushing. The second thing is every person on social media should be verified by their name. That's, first of all, it's a national security threat. When you do that, all of a sudden people have to stand by what they say. And it gets rid of the Russian bots, the Iranian bots, and the Chinese bots. And then you're going to get some civility when people know their name is next to what they say. Accountability. And they know their pastor and their family member is going to see it. It's going to help our kids and it's going to help our country. It's almost like she's never been on social media. Yeah, I don't think putting people's, <laughs> making people sign up with their real name, uh, that doesn't do it. Have you been on Nextdoor? Have you been on, <laughs> have you been on like a Facebook group among your neighbors or something with their real names? No. She clearly said every person should be verified. So when she says in the debate last night that, oh, she didn't really say that. That's not really true. As a mom, do I said, you can roll the tape. She said, I want your name. And that was going to be one of the first things she did in office. And then she got real serious blowback. And understandably so, because it'd be a massive expansion of government. We have anonymous speech. The Federalist Papers were written with anonymous writers. Jay Madison and Hamilton, they, they went under pubulus. It's something that's important, and especially given how conservatives have been attacked and, and, and they've lost jobs and they've been canceled. You know the regime would use that to weaponize that against our own people. Okay. Okay, it was so, a bad so idea say, and she should own up to it. Yeah, that's a problem for Haley. I think that's a problem for Haley. She still can't clean it up. And she's trying to, but... She's trying to by lying about it, I think, right? I mean, that's it, it seems pretty clear to me when you say we're going to require social media companies to tell us their algorithms and we're going to say everyone has to be verified, which means you're going to tie real people's identities to their accounts and she's going to force that upon companies by the government. And what do you, what do you think the left is going to do? I mean, it, do you think lefties inside of these tech companies are not going to release People's secret identities? Give me a break. These are people that released the donor roles for like Prop 8 out in California that led to, you know, witch hunts against people uh, uh, that donated to the what, defensive marriage bill that uh, the referendum that the Californians voted on like 10 or 15 years ago. And it led to like some of the first, quote, cancellations, Brendan Ike being the most prominent the, the, the creator of the Firefox browser, fired from his own company he created. By the way, he now has a competing uh, web browser called Brave, which I highly recommend. Back to Steve Krakauer's piece. Oh, hang on a second. Actually, let me do, uh, let me do some messages here um, because it's regarding Haley. This is from Gary. It's a Pete tweet. He says... 
DeSantis probably has more support in South Carolina than Nikki Haley does. I don't think she was a very popular uh, governor by the time she left. Um, it's all a distraction, said Walkin' Bob holds Nikki Haley. Uh, Bob was a caller from, I think, the last hour. He mentioned something about abortion. Um, and he said Walkin' Bob holds Nikki Haley's abortion views. It's either a lie from the beginning or it is not. Um, do, 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 do. This is from Chris. He said, thank you for playing the clip of Nikki Haley calling Florida's child protection bill, my name for it, the don't say gay bill at the time that bill was passed, everybody paying attention knew that phrase was not only inaccurate, it was intentionally, it was intentional deception meant to enrage the woke joke part of the populace. I am curious and would like to know if she ever referred to January 6th as an insurrection. P.S. Be sure to watch the jazz singer, the character I did. Yeah. I watched the jazz singer like 30 years ago. Uh, we were kids when we watched it. The character of Neil Diamond's father reminds me of my grandfather. Papau, Papu, Papu, Greek for grandfather. Thomas says, uh, Pete, sorry, these uh, and the Democrat events are not debates. Unlike the Lincoln-Douglas debate, we don't learn anything of substance about the true positions of the candidates. What we do learn about the candidates is how shallow, how feckless, and how driven they are to get the right soundbite that makes it into the next news cycle. I, too, caught part of last night's event when I heard you say that you watched it, so I didn't have to. It meant a lot to me. You truly are a giver. You took another one for the team. Well, yeah. Not all heroes wear capes, and I know the term hero is overused nowadays, but in this case, I think it does apply. Jan, responding to Walkin' Bob's comments about abortion, he said, uh, Jan says, this is, it's a silly argument, you know, tadpole is not a frog. Uh, it's a silly argument trying to differentiate between a fetus and a human. The frog eggs are gestating frogs. A tadpole, right, it, it becomes nothing other than a frog. A fetus becomes nothing other than a human being. It is a human being. It's at a different point in gestation, in development. Just like a teenager is a human, an adult is a human. They're just a different level of development. A tadpole is a baby frog. A grown-up frog is a great way to scare people when you hide them in the toilet. I'll allow it. I agree that life begins at conception. It should be pretty simple to understand. Um, Dave says, uh, regarding Neil Diamond, I am pretty sure that Neil Diamond is in the songwriters hall of fame. He wrote some great stuff. Seth says Nikki Haley. Uh, oh, sorry, Pete, this just in Nikki Haley to replace Joe Biden as the Democrat front runner. I see what you did there. All right. Do the current world events have you wondering whether we are teetering on the edge of catastrophe? Are you concerned it's going to reach our shores? Okay, so what are you doing about your concerns? Let me help. Carolina Readiness Supply at carolinareadiness.com. Whether you're looking to expand your emergency preparedness supplies or you have no idea where to even begin, Carolina Readiness Supply can help you. Food, water purifiers, tools, first aid kits, instructional materials, camping and hiking supplies even. Because being prepared is just smart. Carolina Readiness Supply has 2,000 square feet of supplies and educational materials that you'll need for any kind of emergency. In Waynesville and always at carolinareadiness.com veteran-owned Carolina readiness supply will you be ready when the lights go out last night i watched the debate so you don't have to um you're welcome 
And uh, got a couple of comments here from uh, Ron, who said, uh, Pete, nice color commentary, because I did the live stream of the debate last night. Um, go to the PeteCallenderShow.com, by the way. Uh, I personally have noticed a mean streak from Vivek Ramaswamy, highlighted by Chris Christie. I am sympathetic to some of his libertarian points, but character, you know, character matters. Vivek wants to be Trump's veep. Trump values loyalty above all, and Vivek has uh, recognized that. While loyalty is a virtue, absolute loyalty is not, except maybe in uh, Godfather movies. Nikki has made some good points. Pretending about her misstep on social media, though, was a big mistake. I don't think she understands why, even though she knows it was wrong. Chris Christie's approach is a cross-examination style. Am I watching Matlock here? Interesting, but not advancing a uh, vision or a mission. And the, his answer on the transgender minors, surgeries and stuff, that, that just finishes him. Uh, Ron says DeSantis is winning the debate or won the debate. Um, two, 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 two. Yeah, okay. And then I had another, hang on a second, a couple other messages here uh, from John up in New Jersey. Uh, He says, uh, Pete, I saw Chris Christie speak when he first came on the scene. He was sincere, impressive. He presented logical plans. We voted for him, and slowly he became a joke. (laughs) Uh, Let me play this last clip here. This is Vivek Ramaswamy attacking his opponents um, for supporting Trump and then criticizing Trump. All three of them have been licking Donald Trump's boots for years for money and endorsements. Ron DeSantis, you've been a great governor, but you would have never been one without actually begging Donald Trump for that endorsement. And you attacked him in your book a year ago. Same thing with Chris Christie. So you notice what Ron said there. You attacked him in your book a year ago, which is an odd response, I thought. That was an odd response because Ramaswamy is saying, oh, you you were licking his boots, right? And that's a... That's a pretty nasty way to frame that, you know, like you supported the Republican nominee for president, right? You were celebrating him and touting him and all of this. And then he says the exact thing that Trump has been saying, Ramaswamy does. He says the exact thing. You wouldn't be governor without Donald Trump. And uh, uh, DeSantis's response is you attack Trump. Why did he say that? Because he knows exactly where Ramaswamy is going with this, which is to say, you love Trump, but now you criticize him. And and Ron's point is, you criticize him too. What are you talking about? See, Ramaswamy isn't trying to beat Trump. That's the point here. And it's pretty obvious. As a lobbyist, begging them for COVID money for his special interests in New Jersey, Chris pressing him for the debates last time around, these people are now Monday morning quarterbacking some decision he made. I think the real enemy is not Donald Trump. It's not even Joe Biden. It is the deep state that at least Donald Trump attempted to take on. And if you want somebody who's going to speak truth to power, then vote for somebody who's going to speak the truth to you. Why am I the only person on the stage, at least, who can say that January 6th now does look like it was an inside job? That the government lied to us for 20 years about Saudi Arabia's involvement in 9-11? That the great replacement theory is not some grand right-wing conspiracy theory? but a basic statement of the Democratic Party's platform, that the 2020 election was indeed stolen by big tech, 
that the 2016 election, the one that Trump won for sure, was also one that was stolen from him by the national security was, establishment wait, hang on, okay. that actually Thank put you. up the Trump-Russia collusion hoax that they knew was false. There's a reason why I'm the only person That'll on the stage who can Thank say you. these things. That's what it's going to take, not people who were licking his boots one time and now Monday okay. morning quarterback him and criticizing him when it's convenient. Okay, so again, that is a framing for Trump. So once you once your eyes are kind of open to Ramaswamy's play here, it becomes very obvious as to you know what he's what he's in it for. Um, so there's that. And, and by the way, that that riff he went on that got him labeled as a conspiracy theorist. I didn't understand what he meant by saying that the 2020 or sorry the 2016 election, which Trump won, was also stolen from him. Unless he's saying that he was undermined once he got in. The election wasn't stolen. His term was undermined by the Russia collusion hoax. And on that, I agree with him. Absolutely. All right. I'll see you tomorrow. Bike drive tomorrow. Winter Bowl's up next. Don't break anything while I'm gone. (laughs) 